Thank you for joining us on another episode of Popcorn for Breakfast, a movie review episode of Popcorn for Breakfast. With me, as always, my co-reviewer, Kirk. Hello, hello. Are you doing some some neck rolling there? Yeah, getting the neck rolled. up. Getting my vocal cords stretched. Nice. Wonder if I could talk while I do this. It's kind of difficult. Pro's pro. That's right. Always prepared. Always prepared. We've got a good review this week. Um, I'm your other co-host, Cam. I don't know if I said that, but we're going to be reviewing The Atom Project. Let's roll the clock back to how we got here, which is that two weeks ago, we couldn't decide what we were going to review. We couldn't decide if we were going to review Training Red or The Atom Project. We did a vote. The vote was effectively a tie. Nightmare scenario. (laughs) It's like, uh, yikes. We really put ourselves in a bind here. But the great news is that um, nothing good came out in between then and now. So we get to review both of them. We reviewed Turning Red last week. Highly encourage you to go back and listen to that one. Um, it's, yeah, you can listen to it. You can watch it on YouTube, etc. cetera. Um, and then we, we get to review The Atom Project still. So we didn't really have to choose. It was just, it, it was just out. show business. That's right. It was smoke and mirrors it but it was not, not planned at all that was fun no it just worked out that way so here we are we're reviewing the adam project the adam project is a netflix film exclusive to netflix you can watch it there um and i have the distinct honor and privilege to be your synopser this week so i will synopse the movie before we get into it here we go the adam project starring ryan reynolds Walker Scoble, uh, Mark Ruffalo, Zoe Saldana, Jennifer Garner, among others, is a futuristic sci-fi epic. Um, I think epic's probably the wrong word, but it's a story about uh, a 12-year-old boy who is named Adam Reed, and one day he's home alone with his pup, and a strange man crashes his spaceship into basically his his backyard, he kind of lives in the woods. It's like an E.T. situation going on here. And then ends up in his garage. After some discussions, he finds out that the strange man is actually the 40-year-old version of himself. And he is there to save his future, which has become obsessed with time travel. Time travel has made the world a terrible place. And it turns out that the father of all time travel happens to be their father, who is in the year 2022, deceased. And so the two of them have to travel back to 2018 to find him and to undo the creation of time travel. So it's got a little bit of everything. It's got some sci-fi. It's got some laughs. It's got some romance. It's got, you know, family ties and relationships. It's it's got it all. It's a, it's a very heartfelt movie. It tells a big... Um, you know, it's got some cool sci-fi action sequences. We'll get into all of it. We'll get into all of it. But it's The Atom Project. It's available exclusively on Netflix. It's directed by Sean Levy, who directed Free Guy and who we just talked about last week as being selected as the director for Deadpool 3. Both Free Guy and Deadpool 3 and The Atom Project star Ryan Reynolds. So these guys are getting Weird. awfully familiar with each other. Weird. I feel like there's a conspiracy going on behind the scenes that we don't know about. Yeah, it's 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 Canada. That's the conspiracy. I think Levy isn't Levy a Canadian Probably. last name. 
I think it is. I, I thought that Walker Scobo looked familiar. It's actually Justin Bieber in a different wig. <laughs> these these Canadians are thick as thieves, man. These these Virginians are birds of a feather. Um, <laughs> but seriously, like, I think that has to be the tie. They, they shot Levy and Ryan Reynolds probably had no prior relationship, and then he they worked on one movie. He found out he was Canadian. He was like, "I will take you to the promised land." I and think I Canadians could be dead all. Wrong. I think they all share the same blood. I think that's why, like, they owe it to themselves uh, to to stay there, to stay and and build up those relationships, because they're all connected. Yeah, they're always watching each other's backs. So, um, watch Sean Levy's probably not Canadian at all. That would be embarrassing. <laughs> but I really do think that's a Canadian uh, last name. So here's hoping I'm not horribly mistaken there. But anyway, we're here to talk about the Adam Project, um, and we're going to start. As we, oh yeah, Montreal, Quebec, Canada. Boom. He's Canadian. Knocks it out of the He's park. He's Canadian. They I, share the same blood. That's they they are the same person. That's how that works. All Canadians are just yeah, they're just clones of the same person. I think that's scientifically correct. Okay, mm-hmm. let's get into it. The Adam Project. We're going to start as we always do with our acting superlatives, and I am kicking us off this week with, and the Oscar goes to which goes to the best actor in the film. And I'm giving it to 13-year-old Walker Scoble, uh, or Scobell. I don't exactly know how to pronounce that last name, and I, you can't find anything on this guy because he's a, he's a kid and he's new on the scene. So It's because he's really Justin Bieber. <laughs> he's not even a real person. Um, but, yeah, he's Justin Bieber time-traveled back into a younger version of himself. <laughs> anyway, I'm giving it to Walker Scoble. Uh, this was his first big feature film performance, and he's playing the younger uh, version of an established actor and established personality, Ryan Reynolds. And, and while I love Ryan Reynolds and love what he brings to the table, he really brings one thing to the table. He has one, he has a very narrow range, at least that he has shown um, in what he's able to deliver. He does a great job at it, he has made a career out of it. And is able to deliver really good acting performances within that range. So this isn't a knock on his acting skills, but I say that to say that he is a very familiar personality, a very familiar type of performer, which gives Walker Scoble a much harder job because he has to emulate this person. Um, and I think that what you would see from a lot of actors who are 12, 13, etc. I believe Walker's 13, um, is really just kind of, doing their own performance. But what I, what I really liked out of him is that you can tell that he's picking up on the nuances of Ryan Reynolds delivery performance, his comedic timing and applying that to his performance. And for somebody who's his age, that's next level stuff. So that was enough for me. Like, like the rest of it, you know, was it, was it technically perfect throughout? Absolutely not. Were there times where it was rough? Sure, but the fact that he was able to, at times, perfectly emulate the vocal cadence, tone, timing of Ryan Reynolds was really, really impressive uh, from a young from a young kid. And there is a there's a video of him doing the opening monologue from Deadpool Two uh, as Ryan Reynolds. That's that's really funny, though really inappropriate for a kid his age. But um, it's. It's funny how he's become mini me to to Ryan Reynolds and really took that to heart and and gave a really professional performance to to be able to actually do that, which is not easy to do. So, well done, Walker. I think you got a bright future ahead of you if you're able to pick up on new nuances like that and, and really apply them to your first 
feature film performance, then uh, sky's the limit. So congrats. Walker, Texas Ranger. Was also Canadian. Was he? Chuck, Chuck Norris? Norris? Yeah, that's true. I don't know if that's true. Actually. I don't actually, I don't know if that's true either. I agreed with you. And then I was like, wait a second. Is that true? I'll I'm just going to say multiple random <laughs> celebrities and convince you that they're Canadian throughout the, this podcast. The thing is you could say that about almost anybody and it would be believable enough to where somebody would be like, I'm going to Google that. Like, yeah, maybe. <laughs> like it's maybe. not just blatantly wrong. <laughs> it's uh, Blake Shelton Canadian. No, Canadian. he definitely was not Canadian. <laughs> he was born in Oklahoma. <laughs> oh, I believe anyway, it's my turn. It is your Pick turn. Your, your turn. Uh, Oscar, who's your Oscar going to? Well, I mean, I know you didn't like crap all over him, but I am going to pick Mr. Ryan Reynolds for this performance. There's something about that Deadpool performance that really shows you. It's so good because you get such a big heart pulled from Ryan Reynolds when so many of his performances, I wouldn't say characters, because as you said, they're mostly the same. They're mostly just him. Um, Most of his performances are really just uh, just kind of out there, kind of silly, zany. But in Deadpool and Deadpool 2, you do get some heart. You get a couple of moments in Deadpool 1 and a couple more moments in Deadpool 2. And what I love about this is that those moments are extrapolated. So it's like having Deadpool without superpowers and his backstory in this and really trying to crack Ryan Reynolds. It's I think that's uh, Sean Levi's uh, goal. He's like, I know that there is some pain in there. That's where all this humor is just spinning up that's why he's doing all of this and i'm gonna break him i'm gonna make him cry i'm gonna make him suffer <laughs> so what what's so cool about this is that we get these extended moments of of him in these real moments away from his guard of sarcasm and i think it's so easy for ryan reynolds to slip into that because that's what's made him a millionaire so it's made him a household name and i love that we got to see that side of him and i think that it was effectively used and i think that ryan reynolds responded well to this director that's why i want to see eight more movies just like this uh i think you could just do this uh like police academy the adam project one two three four five six because you just mess up the timeline more and more and it just gets more crazy and you learn more and more about the pain and heartache of big adam or ryan reynolds good pick good pick ryan reynolds he's uh yeah, we'll get to see more, Kirk. There, he, Ryan Reynolds made a joke on Twitter about the, you know, the Sean Sean Levy, <laughs> Ryan Reynolds cinematic universe, and he had like a picture of Guy <laughs> from Free Guy, Adam from the Adam Project, and then Deadpool. So it's like Perfect. maybe there will be some sort of multiverse crossover between all these different <laughs> properties. Uh, only time will tell. All right, let's move on to Scene Stealer and talk about some of the the lesser screen time roles or the the unsung heroes of the movie. For me, this was like the only no-brainer in the whole thing, and that's Mark Ruffalo. I had to go with Mark Ruffalo uh, for his performance. Doesn't get a ton of screen time, really comes in sort of the second act of the movie. And I, I have said this about a ton of different performers. I don't think I've ever said it about Mark Ruffalo, but it was very apparent in this movie that Mark Ruffalo elevated the performances of his scene partners, and that's what I love to see. Um Ideally, you shouldn't notice something like that per se because you want everybody performing at peak the whole time and giving a consistent performance. But Mark Ruffalo's delivery um, 
was great throughout and 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 there was a ton of heart in his performance that he was able to draw the heart out of you know both Walker Scoble and Ryan Reynolds and get them to perform better in the film um, and also his scenes uh, which were very limited with Jennifer Garner were her best scenes in the movie too because I thought other than those she gave a pretty forgettable and not so great performance in this movie if I'm being honest so I was glad that Mark Ruffalo was there and and frankly like I've been critical of some of his acting choices in the past sometimes with him and this and sometimes this is just very subjective like sometimes you hear delivery of a certain person and it may not technically may not be technically bad but for whatever reason you're just like uh you know that was Mark Ruffalo and it it takes you out of the suspension of disbelief and he's one of those guys for me where I have a hard time believing him a lot of the time. There are certain roles that are definitely contrary to that. Shutter Island, Spotlight, etc. But there are there are a lot of times, like in Hulk Ragnarok, or Thor Ragnarok a few times, this Hulk, I'm like, ooh, Mark Ruffalo there. I'm not getting Bruce Banner, etc. So he is one that I have a hard time with. But in this performance, he was consistently good throughout. Um which was a great surprise, and I thought he really elevated the movie and elevated his scene partners, which is always great to see. So, Mark Ruffalo, well done. Nice performance. Yes, for much of my life, I compared anything of Mark Ruffalo's to his garbage performance in Just Like Heaven, and that Oof, you know terrible movie, a either bad, way. bad movie. And uh, uh, he was only recently forgiven in my heart. Um, I can't, uh, probably from, uh, what's that movie, Foxcatcher, yeah. With Steve Carell yep. and Channing Tatum. I think that was that was a turning point for him and it was much needed, much needed. My scene stealer choice. Going with Miss Zoe Saldana, uh, the other MCU <laughs> actor in this movie. There are three. There are three if you can spot them. Um Zoe Saldana, I mean, come on. There's there's nothing she cannot do. Um, the biggest reason I chose her quite often, I think that movies and performances are sometimes defined by one scene. And then if you, when you watch the whole thing, it, they're defined by that scene because they were building towards that. And then you think about the whole, whole performance or you watch it back and you see the stepping stones that they put to their highest part of their character arc. And you see it, you see it just laid out there right there for the taking. And Zoe saw down this moment is when she gets blasted by Captain. Catherine Keener's uh, character, what's her name, Maya Sorian, and you see just the the fearlessness in her heart and in her in her eyes specifically because she knows that her death will not be in vain. She knows that what she's doing is heroic, that no one can move on without that happening. As scary as that might be, as selfless as it must be, that moment, because it's so powerful, uh, the way she just turns and she looks death directly in the eye, uh, that couldn't have been done if she had given a lackluster performance all the mo- all the moments up to that. Uh, so we we know that she has built such a wonderful character and built relationships with young Adam, little Adam, and that's the same character, big Adam, young Adam, uh, throughout. Uh, so I just want to say, shout out Zoe Saldana, I see you. One of the best of the biz. I mean, it's it's not a coincidence that she is in all of these big blockbuster movies. You know, she's famously in you know two of the highest grossing films of all time um avatar and avengers endgame right she can bring it she she has made an entire career out of delivering the kind of 
emotion that you're talking about, Kirk. She has the ability to to deliver this really um, detailed, nuanced emotion. Um, it's it's like a concentrated, really high level of emotion that just makes for a really human feel. And she's one of the best at it. And she she does such a good job of like. She often gets cast as like this um, tough as nails kind of warrior queen <laughs> type of character. And, and those two things juxtaposed against each other makes for just like the perfect sci-fi character. So that's why she mm-hmm. always pops up in these movies. Um, so it's, it's a good call out. Um, yeah. Interesting cast here. Lots of big names. Uh, and this is original IP, right? I don't, I don't think this is based mm-hmm. on anything. And, and if it is, I mean, it's, it's the first of its kind. So uh, in, in the series, so it's, it's a big deal. Okay, moving along to the production and talking about the good things and the bad things. Let's start with the good. Showstopper. I feel like I have like a really simple, straightforward review this time. My showstopper is really simple too. It's the sci-fi action sequences. I thought they were great. I thought they were well done. Uh, fast-paced, great, well, well-edited, really cool um, techniques. And, and that's always one of the hard things in these... I would call this like a smaller scale sci-fi movie. Like you don't have the same level of wor- world building as you get in like a Star Wars, Dune, uh, Avatar, etc. So you have to kind of like make the most of those moments you get for world building. And something as simple as like the weapons that they're using, the armor the characters are wearing, the type of ships that they use. But the way these guys could turn invisible and then and then come out of stealth mode and then go into hand-to-hand combat, the big, like, staff melting stick thing that Ryan Reynolds was using uh, is really cool. And those sequences were were great, and, and they helped to sort of up the stakes, up the ante, and make this a really impactful sci-fi action flick, which I think most people, uh, you know, I don't know that I was necessarily expecting that in this movie, but it really, it turned it into a sci-fi action flick, which was cool. It was, it was the right vibe. I think ultimately it could have gotten pretty boring without some of the, the elements that they added, but particularly the first scene where Zoe Saldana's character comes back, you know, effectively from the dead because you, you, they're thinking she's dead or they're saying she's dead um, to save uh, Ryan Reynolds, Adam Reed, and, and the young Adam Reed. And uh, they, they have a, a great battle and then a car chase to follow it. I feel like that was really great. And, it you know, they sprinkled a few of those in throughout and made for a really good time. So I thought those were well ed- edited. They sounded good. They looked good. They were really aesthetically pleasing and and kind of made the whole thing worthwhile to watch even if you were just kind of casually watching it, it makes for a really entertaining product so that's my showstopper my showstopper has to do with the writing i have been a new student to mr sean levi levy I'm a student and I can't say his name, but his his way that he sets up relationships in movies is so careful. That is the foundation. And obviously in any um, any movie, if you're if you're acting performances, if they aren't grounded in the relationships in the script, then they fall apart. Um, even comedies, because if you don't know who people are to each other, then you can't really 
enjoy the movie because that's who we are as people. We connect with other people. We react to other people. We hate the same people and therefore we are friends. It's all the same. So when you, when you see this and you see this powerful relationship trauma that these characters get to share because they're the same person, that writing is just so out of this world. And the fact that you put it in a script with time travel where you're giving yourself your own redemption of, should I mess with it? Um, I, I kind of like the the pain that I feel because it's familiar. What if I, what if I get rid of this pain and it's even more painful? I know where I'm at right now. The way that he writes this stuff is so true to real life that it blows my mind. And that being part of uh, today's cinema is so exciting because it gives us a glimpse into this writer and director's mind and it gives us a sense of understanding as an audience members and as people of this world. So absolutely the writing. I look so much forward to seeing more stuff by Sean, Levi, Levi, whatever it might be. And I I can't recommend uh, enough the movie. This is where I leave you uh, that came out several years ago with, uh, with Jason Bateman uh, and a, a whole cast of just absolute killers. So story writing the win. All right. Now let's move over to the other side. Um, director shoes and some notes we have for our director, Sean Levy, Levi, whatever. It, it's hard. <laughs> These Canadians, man, they get you because you think Levi's jeans, right? Yes. But then you've got Eugene Levy. And which, yeah, the, that's the Levy family. And mm-hmm. they go by Levy. And there's a, there's Steve Levy, who is on ESPN. He's, yeah. he's Canadian, goes by Levy. So I'm like, I, I'm in. I'm inclined to go that way, but why is Levi's called Levi's? Is it L-E-V-I? It's Y. It's L-E-V-Y. Are Wait, sure? is it? <laughs> Are we sure? Then you also have the classic, you know, Levy. You know, drove my Chevy to the Levy. Well, and I've heard people see, say Eugene Levy, too. Ooh, it is Y. L-E-V-Y. I was correct. Levi's is? L-E-V-Y. I don't know the pronunciation, but L-E-V-Y is his spelling. Sean. No, no, no. Uh, I know that. But I was talking about Levi's oh. jeans. I think that's an I. Oh, that is an I. I'm so sorry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know how Sean Le- Levy's name is spelled. This week on Popcorn for Breakfast. I'm going, I'm going Levy final answer. I'm not even going to check it. I just, I feel confident on this. But we can continue to call him whatever we want. You're going Levy? Levy. That's where I'm going. I'm going to go Levi. That way, one of us is accurate. And no, because it could be not. Levy, Kirk. It could be Levy, and then oh. we're both screwed. I'll go Levy. I'll I go think Levy. Levy is probably more accurate, more higher likelihood a, of being right than Levi. What about Levy? <laughs> nope. <laughs> Mommy. If anybody's seen the Family Feud, there's there's like a 20 minute Family Feud kit clip of this woman and this family just continuing to say "Mommy" in different tones. <laughs> it's like Nana versus Nana. It's it's absolutely insane. That's basically what we're doing right now. Yes. Um, okay, moving on to director shoes. Let's get into it. Um, okay, this is where I put my bad cop hat on. I've got some problems. I've got some problems with this movie. I think the biggest problem for me that I felt, that I honestly felt from beginning to end is timing and, and timing and cadence of a lot of things on, on, on a couple of different levels. The first level is actual line delivery. 
I felt like a lot of the jokes didn't like the, a lot of the one liners didn't land because they were timed wrong. So in the Deadpool movies, I'm comparing it to that because it's Ryan Reynolds and it's the same comedic timing, but even also free guy, which is directed by Sean Levy. Um, excellent timing on the one liners and the jokes to make sure that it matches with Ryan Reynolds usual timing in this movie that felt off. And at times in the scenes with Walker and, uh, Walker and Ryan Reynolds where they were scene partners and a lot of like specifically their first kind of go around together. A lot of those jokes weren't landing. And a lot of the times it felt like the timing was just off between those two. And that sort of continued throughout. And in fact, it really impacted the way I saw the Ryan Reynolds performance, but I actually, and I do this most of the time, I actually tend to blame that more on the director than I do the actor, because I feel like the director is not getting the right takes, is not looking for the right things or asking for the right notes and things like that. So, and that was a consistent theme throughout. And so timing on delivery of lines is one thing. The other thing is timing cadence a lot of times we call it pacing uh, of the actual movie because I felt like a lot of the moments that were supposed to be big and impactful sort of emotional moments like Zoe Saldana first coming back and uh, you know all the way up until their final moment like that whole portion was really rushed like the amount of actual time like runtime that happens between Zoe Saldana is introduced to we say goodbye to Zoe Saldana is like tiny. And so it makes it hard to get emotionally connected to that. Um, Zoe Saldana does a great job. I did feel like the dynamic between her and Ryan Reynolds was off a little bit too, in terms of them delivering lines with together, like delivering lines to each other and then also building a relationship. But part of that is also just, they had limited screen time. So it was really crammed and condensed and it made what was supposed to be really like one of the biggest, most impactful relationships in the whole movie and sort of the driving force behind what Ryan Reynolds character is doing. Uh, it made that really kind of fall flat and you don't get your first like really good moment with them until the very end of the movie where you get this really beautiful moment uh, with them, but it felt like too little too late. So there was a lot of that where I felt like the moments with the dad that should have been more drawn out, more dialogue heavy, more um, character dev time were kind of rushed through. And so some of those relationships were kind of thrown off. And I felt like there were a lot of good actors in this movie who gave substellar performances just because they weren't getting the right takes, they weren't getting the right notes, and um, they could have turned in a better performance if they had just like, gotten a few more takes, had gone in the right direction, but the timing, the cadence of the of the dialogue, the, the pacing of the movie, something just felt off sort of the whole way for me, and it was all related to that timing and cadence factor. So that is my director's shoes. Yeah. Timing is everything, especially in a movie about... Time. Time. <laughs> well played, Kirk. Well played. <laughs> I've got three things. I've got three things that really, you know, grinded my gears in this film. Um, I think the villain was just not the right casted villain. I think Catherine Keener, 
uh, has shown us some great performances in her career. And I still think there will be, will be future uh, fantastic performances. I think that the twist on seeing her younger self, like digitally retouched, was fantastic. I thought that was great technology and that she played both characters very separately. But her her character for the future was just a mess. It was like, I don't know, like a like a disheveled uh, a disheveled online shopper who <laughs> who was like trying to leave a bad review on the the structure <laughs> of time. I don't know. Like her hair, it was just weird. Like there wasn't really much there than just annoyed. And I just feel like believing that she was diabolical enough to steal the plans of time travel and then destroy the earth in the making and then just to keep on going with it, I didn't really get that. Uh, so there's a big villain problem in this movie, unfortunately. Um, the the, re- the only reason why it comes together is the attempted redemption of the younger self, the 2022 or the 2018 version of uh, of Catherine Keener's character. So, uh, so you almost kind of made up for it. Number two of three, um, there is no good setup for Adam's dad being the father of time travel um, or the godfather of time travel, as he says, which also makes no sense, that line. Um, it's honestly, they get in the ship from the future. They hop out of the ship uh, into basically in the past and they say, yeah, so because dad invented time travel, it's like, wait, what? Like, I know that time travel exists in in this movie uh, clearly, but the fact that they just kind of rush through that their father is is the actual creator of time travel who cracked the code comes so fast and (laughs) is forgivable in this type of movie, but they blow through it so much that it's so annoying that when they, when they make it a big deal, like two other times later, it's like, I just don't really believe it. I don't really believe that Mark Ruffalo did it because yeah, he looks like a genius. Yes. He looks like Sean Mendez, the uh, Canadian uh, singer that can, who is actually playing this role for him, but I really don't believe him in this moment. And number three, where did Jennifer Garner go? Where did she go? I mean, we get we get these big, big moments, long scenes with her at the beginning, an incredible meetup with her and Ryan Reynolds at the bar. You get these little quips. That seemed like the foundation for something bigger because of how fast they happened. No, we get no more of her. She meets Mark Ruffalo again later uh, with with tiny, tiny uh, Adam. But that's it. We do get we get no resolve. Her character falls off the face of the planet, and it's heartbreaking because this is one of uh, Jennifer Gardner's better roles. She took on some weird, very strange roles in the past couple of years. Uh, albeit she was also going through a lot, a lot in her personal life. How dare you, Ben Affleck? But I wanted to see her character come to full fruition and see just more of, of what happened as the mother because she was so prominent in the first quarter of this movie. So that's my director's shoes. Yeah. Jackie also, when I watched it with my wife, and and she also um, had complaints about the the dad being the godfather of time and how they time travel and how they set that up. There yeah. is a moment in the beginning when they're talking, when Adam and Adam are talking, where there's like a blink and you miss it moment where he says he says something about him being responsible for the creation of time travel, but it's like, it's like very implicit, you know, like it's not explicitly stated and they tell the, some sort of like weird joke about how 
he's like the Adam project named after his son. And he's like, Oh, the project was actually his son. Like Ryan Reynolds says that because he like yeah. hates his dad. It's like very small. And then that's all you get until they meet him. And you're like, what? This doesn't even make. Yeah, I agree. It, it's the reveal was poorly. It executed. is. It is poorly executed. And like, if it's a major plot point and there needs to be reason behind it, you can't just like, <laughs> toss it in a couple of times and then right. like, have a reveal. It's really weird. Honestly, I would have rather have just existed Yeah, and he was like a gatekeeper to it. That would have been better. Right. Yeah, it was weird. It was it was clunky. All right, let's get into final thoughts and scores for this movie. Um, like I said, simple review for me. I think simple final thoughts, which is that this is a perfectly mediocre movie. I don't think we have anything really special here. Um, I think the story has some issues, but it also has a lot of heart, you know, and there's some real connection points and, and learnings and, and messages there that are good. I, I was really disappointed with the acting performances in this movie pretty much throughout from a lot of people who I really like. Um, I thought most of them were underwhelming. I, I share Kirk's thought on the villain problem. Um, I, I thought, like I said, I thought the cadence and timing and pacing was, sort of all over the place and and ultimately just kind of left me you know I watched the whole thing but I wasn't at any point like ooh what's going to happen next or you know there were only a couple times where I was like oh that's cool or, or that's creative otherwise it was just kind of like a very underwhelming time travel sci-fi movie with some cool elements but nothing really memorable about it from my perspective so I'm giving it a score that reflects that, which is a very middling score, 5.3 out of 10. That's where I stand on the Adam Project. Very nice. You're up. Very nice. This one's going to surprise you. It surprises me. Uh, I feel like I'm on a talk show radio in the 80s. (laughs) (laughs) Like after hours? (laughs) That's right. Hey, guys. Welcome to the review. I'm going to give you my score. And now I'm just Will Arnett. I want to tell you that this was difficult for me to say because at first I wanted to make sure that I rated this intentionally higher than turning red. (laughs) Not to uh, just like edge out uh, uh, Cameron with his guess and my guess like we talked about at the top. But ultimately because I really, for whatever reason, I enjoyed this slightly better than I enjoyed turning red that we reviewed last week. And I know that shouldn't be the standard, but and maybe we'll we'll do a little game later on in in our show, uh, not this episode, but called Redcon or some other name where we go back and we blast away our scores and we give you new ones. But I wanted to make sure that in this moment of time that you all know that I like this movie slightly better than Turning Red. Uh, That's just where my heart is saying. And so I have to be true and authentic to that. And I am a sucker, an absolute sucker for action movies. And while this is more sci-fi, it falls it falls closer to that. You have you have awesome combat that you wouldn't normally see in your traditional sci-fi movie. Um because it's it's more hand to hand you get these two you, there's not like all blasters there's some but you see them like just go like just fist into faces and i mean just some incredible drops uh on this on this stage of the atom project i i i shall i shall not delay you anymore i must tell you that my score is 7.8 out of 10 kernels 
I feel like this is rewatchable. I feel like it's just fun. And I feel like the, the pitfalls of this movie that were called out in the director's shoes, every single one of them valid can be tossed aside only because it's a really pretty movie to watch. It's just funny enough. And it's got such a powerful heart uh, punch like four to five times <laughs> that'll suck you in and you'll want to refeel those moments again. So 7.8 out of 10 kernels. Nice. Yeah. Can I just say, and not, this is and not to be a martyr, here, <laughs> but reviewing movies is hard. It's a yes. hard, it's really hard. I don't think people like, there's so many people out there who review films and there are podcasts just like this. And there are obviously people who get paid big bucks to review these for large publications. And I think all of them will tell you it's the, the same thing that it's really hard and while everyone has an opinion on movies, reviewing movie after movie after movie after movie is a really difficult thing. And the reason is because they're all so different. It's yes. not like, you know, you watch somebody review fast food and they go eat a cheeseburger and then another cheeseburger and then another cheeseburger. They're all cheeseburgers. There really isn't that much of a difference between the world's worst cheeseburger and the world's best cheeseburger. But you could give two movies a 7.8 for totally different reasons. And if you yep. saw those two movies and those scores next to each other, you might go, oh man, did I really give both of those movies the same score? I like this one more. Well, you might have given that one a 7.8 because you enjoyed it more and this one a 7.8 because technically it's you know, good for these reasons and because of the genre that it's in, because it is just really tough. And I, I agonize over every score that I give and I'm constantly going back and looking at previous scores that I gave or letterbox reviews that I did. And I'm like, do I really think this movie's in that league? And you just can't do it that way. You know, nope. it's just like it, there's so many factors that go into it based on what you're watching. Like your point with the turning red thing, what we just watched that's in your head with recency bias. You, I mean, you've got recency bias, you've got genre, you've got all of these different factors, viewing experience, et cetera. It's just, it's tough, man. It's tough. And so like, yeah, there will probably be a time two years from now where I look back and go 5.3. What? I gave this a six point whatever. <laughs> so it's mm -hmm. just tricky. It's tricky. It's always tricky and we'll never get it right. And I think that's part of the human experience, which is why we keep doing this because we want to really dive into the psyche of our minds and yours. And if you play this backwards, you'll get a hidden message that tells you exactly <laughs> what to do for us. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's nuts. I think about it all the time. I'm constantly like, Anytime I give something a score in the nines, I'm like, oh gosh, what else have I given nines to? Nines, <laughs> you know, you can't go much higher than, you know, whatever. Um, it's just, it's crazy. But I still think I stand by all of my scores and can justify all of them for whatever reason, but it might be totally different reasons. So it's just a crazy, crazy game we're playing here, but. Most definitely. Good movie, fun, fun to review. Definitely one that, makes you want to stick around to the end either way it's on netflix so if, if for some reason you just don't care about spoilers and you happen to listen to this without watching the movie um go do that and form your own opinion on it that's what makes this experiment fun and let us know your thoughts 
on the Adam Project, I saw lots of people really, really loving it over the weekend, just in, anecdotally. You know, I didn't collect data or anything like that, but just people on my timelines being like, the Adam Project, the Adam Project. And it got viewed a crap load of times on Netflix. Mm-hmm. So chances are you've probably already seen it. So let us know. We're available. We have an email address. We have social media. We have these, you know, videos and streams and all of these different ways. We are not hard to reach. So let us know your thoughts. But until next time, we got the Oscars coming up this Sunday. We're going to be talking about all of the amazing things or terrible things that come out of that show. We will keep you guys posted. But until next time, giving a special thanks, as always, to our executive producer, Ryan Spriggs, and our original music, which was created by Rhetoric. Check them out on Spotify, Apple Music, anywhere else you listen to tunes. We will see you guys next week. Talk to you then. Bye.